When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Dan, and welcome to our Tuesday Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Pod podcast. Hey Mary Kay Cabot answers questions from our football insider subscribers. We talk about updates on Jadavian Clowney, what the Browns might do in the draft, or they go edge rusher or cornerback. We spent a little time on Hugh Jackson, what he had to say on the radio on Monday, and much more. So give that a listen. If you want to get involved in Football Insider, head to cleveland.com slash brown. There's a big blue banner at the top of the page. Click that get information, and get yourself signed up. Okay, here we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. And away we go on our Tuesday Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast with Mary Kay Cabot. So let's get right to it, Mary Kay. We're going to start with the defensive line. Rich from Columbus wants to know, Hey, Mary Kay, will the Browns sign Jadavian Clowney or another defensive end before the draft? And if they do, would that move cornerback as the most likely first-round pick? Well, first of all, it's a really, really good question. As far as Jadavian Clowney is concerned, I really think that the Browns would like to sign him. I don't think you bring a guy in for a visit unless you're really serious about signing. And last year, we know they really liked him. So I do think that if they could get it right, for the right price, they would bring him in. I think health is a factor. They have to make sure that he's healthy enough right now. And so maybe that's where the, the lag time is. Maybe he's still recovering a little bit from his knee surgery. But if the two sides can work out the money and the health situation, I think he could end up being a Cleveland Brown. This is the only visit that he's taken. And you know, I don't think he's got a million options out there. Everybody that sort of needed a pass rusher was able to find one for the most part. Uh, so I, I think there's a good chance he will end up here if the Browns feel comfortable with the health and he feels comfortable with the money. I've come, I've kind of come around on Clowney. I wrote about it last week. I think this is a guy that would actually look really good next to Miles Garrett or across from Miles Garrett. The things he does, he's, he's one of those guys, if you get too caught up in the sack numbers, it can be a little misleading because he hasn't put up huge sack numbers, but he's good against the run. He always creates pressure. He, he's a freak. I mean, there's a reason he went number one overall. He's an athletic freak. And I just think putting him across from Miles Garrett, even if those sack numbers don't, you know, add up, he's a guy that's going to move the quarterback into either those rushers up the middle or move them into Miles Garrett. I think there's a lot he could do. And at the right price, yeah, I, I think he's, I think you could do a whole lot worse than Clowney. What is that price in your mind, do you think? You know, I do think it's somewhere around the six, I don't know, the $6.5 million range. And I think you could put some incentives in there. Uh, you could put whatever pre- pressures or, uh, you know, something in there, games played, snaps, Pro Bowl, something like that. Uh, and who knows, maybe last year, part of the, uh, the lack of some of the, the production may have been uh, because he was suffering from a torn meniscus that needed surgery. We don't know exactly when he started feeling that. So I mean, he's like you said, he's an athletic freak. He's always up there 
in terms of his grades. I mean, he, you know, pro football focus had him as the 19th best edge rusher last year, despite the fact he only played in eight games. So I think that says something right there. Again, he's disruptive. He's great against the run. I think he would be a really nice compliment to Miles Garrett. And here's the thing. You're not going to be asking him to play every single down. You've got Tack McKinley too. Uh, and Tack McKinley is going to go forward in a hurry and, and he's going to, he's going to pressure the quarterback. So he brings something a little different to the table. When you need to stop the run and set the edge, you can use Jadavian Clowney over there. When you on maybe on third downs, you put Tack in, maybe he's a situational rusher. I think the combination of those two guys could be dynamite in there. And then of course there is the draft, which I still think they would be targeting a defensive end there, even if they still signed Jadavian Clowney. But I think the, the person asked, didn't they, that if they don't need a pass rusher, what would be the next position they would go to, right? Yeah, there, there were a few questions draft related, but this one specifically was if, if they do sign Clowney, would that move cornerback as the most likely first round pick? You know, here's the thing. I don't think there necessarily is the likeliest first round pick. I think there are about three spots that they could really make a, a great case for. And I think they, they've got their boards set up and they will go with the best one of those guys. I don't think they're going to be like, oh, we have. it's not like last year where they really targeted a left tackle. They knew they could get him at 10 and you knew basically that was what was going to happen. At 26, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to be there. So you have to be ready to go. And they don't, they're not painted into a corner to take any one position. So edge rusher, yes, that's an option. Cornerback, Absolutely. Receiver. I mean, they have to plan for life after Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. So, you know, they could find their receiver of the future in the first round as well. So any one of those things are in play. And some of it depends on how deep it is at each position, right? If they really like a guy who might be there in the 50s, maybe they don't want to take that position at 26. Maybe they feel like they can get a guy who fits better in the 50s. So they go cornerback at a position or you know, there's so many ways this could go. And Browns fans, again, one of those things you got to get used to. You you don't control the draft anymore. You, you kind of have to let it come to you. And, and that'll be interesting to see. Bud from San Jose did have a Tack McKinley question, and he wanted to know about the edge draft prospects. So we'll move on here. Just another outside edge rusher question from Jim in Pittsburgh. He says, it feels like the Browns swung and missed on the big outside rusher. He says he likes everything else. Is that too harsh? Well, you know what? Here's the thing. They had a price on each guy. We know they liked a lot of these guys, but they were not going to overpay. So there was just no way that they were going to go out and spend whatever, $12 million, $13 million a year on JJ Watt or really any of these guys. They, they did not. I mean, one of the least expensive ones was Yannick Nagakaway at $13 million a year. So they kind of went from like 12 up to almost like $17 million a year or $18 million a year. That, that wasn't the space they wanted to be in for their edge rusher. They wanted to try to get what they could out of a guy like Tack McKinley. And I, I posted today, well, we're taping this on Monday, but I posted today an interview with Dan Quinn, the former Falcons head coach who loved Tack McKinley and was so excited for him to come back next year, last year, and have an amazing season. And he was off to a heck of a start. He had five quarterback hits on Russell Wilson in the first half alone of the first game 
last season against the Seahawks. He got a sack on the first play of the game. And then by the time the first half was over, five quarterback hits. That's what the Browns think they're getting. That's actually what Dan Quinn thinks they're getting. I mean, if they could get that, my goodness, you, you know, you will have gotten yourself quite the bargain for $4.25 million. Now, short of that, uh, we'll see. But I do think that they just didn't want to spend a ton of money. And I still don't think they want to spend a ton of money on Jadavian Clowney this year. I mean, he's coming off a torn meniscus. He comes now at a certain price. And like I said, I think that price is probably in the $6 million range with incentives. Okay, another defensive question. This comes from Tony in Moore Park, California. Hey, Mary Kay, aren't the Browns still awfully thin at linebacker? Or are Anthony Walker and Malcolm Smith enough for the 4-2-5 defense? Well, we know by now that the Browns really do not value linebacker a ton in this defense that is just not a premier position. If it was going to be a premier position, once again, they would have spent for one. There were a few linebackers that were available uh, in free agency, and they did not shell out a lot of dough for that. those guys. So I do think that they will probably look to upgrade in the draft a little bit, but I don't know if they're going to go there with their number 26 overall pick. Now, I will be jumping on a Zoom call uh, later this week with Zane Collins, but I, you know, I don't know that they're going to go first round linebacker. It just doesn't seem like a, a Cleveland Browns current regime thing to do. I would be sort of surprised if they do that. But here's the deal with, with what they believe and think at linebacker. They expect Sione Takitaki, who's good against the run, to continue to step up and fulfill that role for them and be a good run stopper. Then they've got Jacob Phillips, who's fast, and he has really good range. I think they expect to get more out of Jacob in his second season. Anthony Walker will basically be the starting middle linebacker and replace B.J. Goodson. So in, in, in three linebacker sets or packages, I think those will be the three guys that you'll see the most. Uh, when you go down to two, I think they'll go with the speedier Anthony Walker, who they are really talking up his speed a lot and Jacob Phillips. So that you've got two rangy, faster linebackers, uh, you know, to go against the tight ends, the backs out of the backfield, and just the way the NFL is going these days. So I think they feel okay with what they have, but I do think they'll add to the pile. I just don't think it will be a necessarily in the first round. The thing that's, that's interesting about a guy like Zaven Collins is he is a linebacker, but I just, I would wonder if they view him a little more as a, like a pass rushing type of linebacker. And if they would value that more, I, I just wanted to pull him up on, on PFF here. And you know, what they say is he's not your typical off ball linebacker. He dominates backs and blitz pickup and can chase them down in space as well. You know, this is a guy that can kind of do a number of different things. And I just, I, you know, I want to know what'll happen if he were to, to fall down to them at, at 26 and how they kind of view him because he's, he's bigger too, six foot four, 260. So you know, I'm just curious what they, what they really think of him and, and how they view him in the NFL. Yeah. You know what? That's a great, that is a great point. And that is one of the reasons why I am looking forward to kind of jumping on the zoom with him and seeing his pro day. And uh, unfortunately for us, we don't get to get, uh, you know, get to know these guys in person the way that we used to, but looking forward to doing that because I do think he is an intriguing prospect. Like you said, he's not your typical linebacker. He is 
Uh, he's like almost like a Pittsburgh Steelers kind of a guy, isn't he? I mean, he's the kind of line, you know, edge rushing linebacker type of guy that they uh, always seem to end up with. But, you know, would he fit in this kind of a front? I, I don't know. I mean, you'd have to figure out where you're going to play him and where he would fit. But sometimes if you find the guy, you can make it fit, right? I mean, you can change things up. There's so many ways to attack or line these guys up in the front. So if, if he's good enough, if, if the talent level is there, you can tweak things and get the guy on the field. So he, he's definitely an intriguing prospect. Only 51 pass rush snaps last year, but a 90.6 pass rush grade from PFF. So just, just something to kind of, I just, just curious how they, how they kind of view him in this setup. Okay. Let's get to our next question. We're going to stay on the defensive line. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, Nick from Des Moines wants to know, would the Browns consider signing a guy like Geno Atkins? Nick believes he was cut from the Bengals and hasn't found a home. He could be one of those one-year deal options with Larry Ogunjobi leaving in free agency. So is Geno Atkins an option here for the Browns, Mary Kay? You know, I have not heard Geno Atkins' name to this point. Uh, so I, I don't know if the interest is there right now. You know, I, I think they... I think they feel pretty good about what they have right now at defensive tackle. And once again, the draft is still coming up, but they went out and they signed Malik Jackson. Okay. And Malik Jackson brings a lot of interior heat. He can bring the heat. And I've actually been uh, thinking about him on the field at the same time as Tack McKinley. They both bring a lot of pressure and speed. Uh, and, and, and these guys are going to come at you fast. And so I, I think that's going to be really interesting to see those guys on the field together. And then you've got Andrew Billings coming off of, he opted out last year because of COVID-19. So you actually have some new tackles already to add to that rotation. And then you've got Jordan Elliott, who once again, they liked what they saw. They expect him to step up next year and you still have Sheldon Richardson. So I don't think they're clamoring for a Geno Atkins, but you never know. Sometimes as, the season goes along and you get done with the draft. Uh, you know, you add another piece here or there. The price comes down on a guy. I wouldn't rule it out, but I haven't heard his name as of yet. Browns fans just want every free agent signed here. And, and why not, right? Everybody not? jump on the train and, and like Troy Hill said, come to Cleveland, win a Super Bowl. Okay, <laughs> we're going to take a break. And then we're going to talk about the subject that everyone has been talking about here on Monday uh, on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Hey, it's Dan. We're going to take a quick break and I'm going to tell you about Football Insider, where you can subscribe to get exclusive access to stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. You also get a newsletter every single day with exclusive content that's written by Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, or me. It goes right to your inbox. That stuff doesn't show up anyplace else on the site. You get that every single day, including on the weekends in your inbox. That's just for our Football Insider subscribers. And then there's our texting, where Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, and I will text you throughout the day with news and analysis. We do Q&As. We answer questions. We have opportunities to come on the podcast and make picks. We do roundtables, all sorts of fun things with our texters, and we're going to start putting together some stuff for you to enjoy here in the offseason. So all you need to do is go to cleveland.com slash browns. There's a big blue banner at the top of the page. Click on that banner, get all the information you need, get yourself signed up, and get yourself access to all of that exclusive content that we have available only for our Football Insider subscribers. 
right, back on the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and Mary Kay, a former Browns coach making waves went on the radio. You have, you have a post up on cleveland.com slash Browns about it. So Tom from Stowe, Tom, I don't know if uh, you've given me a wave or something when I've been running around the streets of Stowe, Ohio, but uh, if you're out there, hello, Tom from Stowe. Hey, Mary Kay, why are people still concerned slash interested in anything that Hugh Jackson has to say about his time with the Browns? Well, Hugh Jackson is a lightning rod. I mean, that was a very controversial time in Cleveland Browns history. I mean, my goodness, they went one in 15 and 0 in 16. And uh, he obviously has a lot to say about what went down and how it went down. He still 100% feels, you know, that he was lied to. That was the terminology that he used today on his 850 interview. Now, I had talked to him pretty extensively after he was fired by the Browns. Uh, I actually went to his house and interviewed him the day that he was fired by the Browns. On that day, he told me that the Browns gave him an extension, but I wasn't allowed to write it. And he said, the Browns don't want that out there. You cannot write it. And, uh, and he said, but that, you know, they showed that kind of faith and confidence in me the year before, you know, and he said, this wasn't supposed to go like this. And then everything just went off the rails. I mean, John Dorsey, you know, comes in and uh, Todd Haley and Freddie Kitchens. It was an unmitigated disaster. It was a disaster, but it was a, I mean, you're never going to have a period of time like that in the, in the history of a football team where you have an 0-16 season and so much controversy and, and so much discord between Hugh Jackson and Sashi Brown. I mean, it was bad. It was really, really bad. And you're just, it's just always going to be, you know, he's like almost like a Johnny Manziel. I mean, he's, people are going to watch, read, listen to that kind of stuff. He had a lot to say today, and he's, he's got a book coming out. And we put it out there to our, Pat, Scott Pasco did. He put it out there to our subscribers. Maybe you can tell us, Dan, how many uh, oh boy. book title suggestions we are up to now. He would not reveal the name of the book, um, but we've asked for help with the title. And, uh, and we're getting a lot of responses to that. Is it I'm in the sure. 60s? Uh, it's it's over that now. We're close to eighty, and the thing went up not that long ago. Oh Hughes wow! Blues. So Hughes Blues is one of them. I'm not going to scroll through here and, and read all of these. You'll our football insider subscribers will probably see this in a newsletter at some point. But yeah, we're we're getting some responses to this. Well, it's just funny because I know so much of already what is going in that book because I I did I talked to him, uh, you know, a fair amount after after he was fired by the Browns, and I knew you know some of it was just venting. You know, some of it was him venting and you know things that I couldn't write things that he kind of wanted to get off of his chest so I know a lot of this stuff already and I, I think it'll be interesting I think the book will I think it will open some eyes and I, I think people will read it it, it could be you know it, I think the book could probably sell what do you think Dan yeah I mean look people are reading the story off that interview that you put up today I mean it's one of the most popular stories on our site, Hugh Jackson is a lightning rod. I guess what I would say is this, like Browns fans, your team just won a playoff game. You've got a quarterback. You're set. You're moving forward. You got a head coach. If you're just sitting there getting mad online at Hugh Jackson, just log off. <laughs> it's, it's not worth it. I mean, it was 2018. Like this team is in a completely different place right now. And 
I don't know. That's my advice for Browns fans. But to answer Tom's question, why do people care about what Hugh Jackson has to say? I don't know, but people do care. People still respond to it. And people still, when he talks, you see it on Twitter, you see it every, I mean, people respond. Well, I think it's partly because he does put himself out there, right? I mean, yeah, he, he puts himself out there and, and he almost kind of holds himself, you know, and he doesn't care. I mean, he, he, he is willing to take those hits because he has something to say. And I think he also feels like, uh, minority coaches aren't getting their fair shake in the league. We just saw a whole hiring cycle go by. There were not enough minority hirings. Uh, he feels like what happened to him was really bad for black coaches. And, you know, he might have a point there. I mean, he's still not working right now. I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's very, very controversial. And I think, I think the book is going to be really good. And, uh, you know, I don't think the Browns will have much to say about it. I don't think they'll be responding. You know, Sashi Brown is, isn't with the Browns anymore. It's, it's interesting. And, and here's the thing, even though there, there are, you know, there are plenty of people that believe that that was just supposed to be the teardown, which I, you know, you and I have talked about this so many different times. I, I don't think it was as much of a teardown as it was not drafting well during those years, not having a quarterback during those years and not supplying, not putting enough talent on the team in those years. If they had a quarterback and some better talent, you're not going to go 0 and 16. You're not going to go one and 15. So I don't know if it was a teardown as much as it was. They didn't do enough with the Carson Wentz trade. They didn't do enough to get a quarterback in those years. And lo and behold, there they were. But I mean, it actually may have worked out because then they ended up with Miles Garrett and they ended up with Baker Mayfield. And if Baker Mayfield takes them to Super Bowls and they win, they win a Super Bowl, then it will have been worthwhile. But I think Hugh feels that he was the victim, the victim of what was going on at that time and that it wasn't presented to him for what it really was. All I'll ask is if the Browns go on to win a Super Bowl in the next year or two, Browns fans don't spend the week on Twitter getting mad at Hugh Jackson or Sashi Brown or whoever else online. Just enjoy, just, just enjoy the team you've got. You've got a good football team that won a playoff game. The past is the past. You know, just, just let it be. Let it be the past at this point. The thing that I always find to be kind of funny is that the folks who love the teardown narrative and the sort of, you know, analytics narrative of the whole thing should also love the fact then that Hugh carried out the plan to perfection, right? I mean, if, <laughs> if he doesn't, whether it was on purpose or not, he right. If he doesn't, right. I mean, it, like if he doesn't go 0 and 16, they don't have Baker Mayfield. So people should be having a parade, forget the 0 and 16 parade, have a Hugh Jackson parade because I mean, you know, he didn't, he didn't win a game, and that helped. That helped the Browns in the draft of that next year. I, I think the reality is, as much as people love to argue Sashi versus you, is I don't think either one did a very good job. All right, let's move on. This is from Mike in Chester, Maryland. Do you think the Browns will target a, quote, fast twitch receiver in the draft? Even with a healthy OBJ, the Browns do not have a receiver with the quickness off the line and the vertical speed to intimidate defenses. 
You know what? Yes, I, I do think that, that that is something that they, they really need. And it's a, it's a pretty darn good receiver draft. And that's why I wouldn't be shocked if they draft a receiver in the first round. I mean, it's something that you really need to have as you're going forward. And I mean, look at the impact again that a Stefan Diggs had on the Bills, right? So if you look at it from that standpoint, that you that there's going to have to be life after Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. And that could happen sooner than later because th- those guys will be turning 30 next season. If, if that guy is there in that first round, I don't think they would hesitate to draft him, even though this year they might not necessarily need that guy. Yeah, I want to see how they approach receiver. And, you know, the other reality of this is we have not seen a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. in Cleveland in the last couple of years. He's had his injury issues. Hopefully he'll come back from this ACL. And, you know, maybe maybe missing that time, even though he's got to rehab the ACL, maybe it'll help some of those other lingering things heal. I don't know. Maybe not because he's got to do all the rehab for it and do all that work for it. But uh, hopefully we'll finally get to see a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. because it just it hasn't happened in a while. Yeah, it hasn't happened in a while. I mean, we've talked with him about this so many other times uh, during his career in Cleveland that that preseason game where in Cleveland when he was with the Giants and he got the, the ankle injury in that game, that preseason game, it was Brian Body Calhoun. And he attributes that sort of the downward spiral started happening after that. He broke the ankle the same ankle four weeks after that, because I'm sure it was weak. And, um, and he probably tried to come back and, and start the opener. Everything just has kind of gone on from there. It's been one leg injury after another, and that's how those things sometimes go. Uh, so we'll have to see how, uh, how he does this season. He looks great in his rehab. I mean, my goodness, he looks tremendous. He's running full speed, at least on the treadmill. He's cutting, you know, he's doing all kinds of things. So he looks like he's going to be 100% ready for the season. It's just a matter of, like you said, Dan, will he be able to make it through the season? It's interesting you bring up the uh, the rehab stuff and what we've seen, because that leads us to our, our last question here. So we'll kind of combine the two. Jim in Olmstead Falls. Hey, Mary Kay, with OBJ posting video of how well he is rehabbing, I was wondering why we haven't heard from Grant Delpit. I would think he would be excited about what is happening with the Browns defense. Are we sure he's healing in time to be ready for training camp? So what do we know about Delpit right now? You know what? From everybody that I talked to, he is on track to, to be in his spot at the start of the season. Now, if he weren't, nobody's going to tell us that at this point. The Browns are not going to come out and announce to us and to their opponents that Grant Delpit might not be 100% in the first week of the season, right? I mean, they even play it close to the vest during the season. We, we don't, I mean, <laughs> Greedy Williams was week to week <laughs> all last season. He was day to day in training camp. Right. He was day to day and then he got upgraded to week to week. So they certainly wouldn't be telling us right now what the prognosis is for Greedy. But from, from, Everybody that I talked to, he is supposedly on track to start the season. Again, this is another one of those injuries. It's a ruptured Achilles tendon. Tough to come back from. It's usually about a nine-month injury, nine months to 12 months, depending on how your body heals and, and how your rehab is going. He's young. 
I think he should be fine. But at least now they have the insurance policy with John Johnson III to play some of those roles that Grant Delpit was designed for, designed for Grant, if he's not ready right from the start. If they have both of them, that's going to be amazing. But if they don't, they're covered. Okay, I got one more Hey Mary Kay for you. I'm going to spring this on you because I just thought of it. So this comes <laughs> from Dan and Stowe. Okay. Hey, Mary Kay, which former Browns coach besides Hugh Jackson would you want to read a book, a tell-all book from? Oh, that's a really good question, Dan, from Stowe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me think. A tell-all book from, all right, so let me give it a, let me give There's it There's a lot. There's a lot to choose from. There's a lot to choose from, that's for sure. I'm going to go with Butch Davis. Ooh, good one. I think I think Butch might have I think Butch might have a lot to say. Uh, I, I think that would be really interesting. He had he had some interesting times while he was here, so he would be one. But I mean, there there would be a lot of candidates. How about well, you? Do you have one? I was thinking Mike Pettin. Yeah, just, he'd be good just because he was the coach when Johnny was here. Yeah. So I mean, if we're if we're talking tell-all book, that's that's one I would read. Yes, that's yes. I thought of him first. I thought of him first, but then I was thinking that he was already in that Jets book. That wasn't, I mean, Johnny wasn't involved for that. So, you know, to a tell all book, if you were going to tell all about Johnny and Josh and those crazy years and Kyle Shanahan leaving. Or, or Kyle, are, are we, are we including coordinators here? I'd, I'd read Kyle's book. Oh, I would read Kyle's book. It would just book. be the PowerPoint presentation. I, I would read, I would read Kyle's book over, over any of those. <laughs> head coaches that that would be incredible I, I do think and I, I want to go back to the the Hugh point real quick and and the Mike Petton Ray Farmer thing kind of comes up I do think the result of what we're seeing now is the Browns just you know Jimmy and D has them over and over again just kind of trying to force two sides together and now they've kind of finally decided everything has to work everything has to be on the same page and obviously that's a whole lot easier when you start out by going 11 and 5 but it does feel like what we're seeing now is sort of a culmination of just over and over again, trying to force two people together that just don't work. Yes, absolutely. 100%. I was thinking that about that a lot today. In addition to that, in addition to trying to put regimes together, because I mean, I even knew, and every single time they would try to mismatch a regime, uh, I would always say to people in the organization, it's not going to work. This is not going to work. I would say it like before the season, before, like in February, I'd be saying not going to work. I mean, when they put John Dorsey in there with Paul D. Podesta and Andrew <laughs> Barry, I'm like, it's not going to work. You know, when you put Todd Haley in with, and Freddie Kitchens in with Hugh Jackson. Right. I mean, I didn't think that Sashi Brown would work and Hugh Jackson would work certainly and that they were missing like sort of like the football element or at least the higher level football element, Ray Farmer. And I mean, but anyways, in addition to mismatching the coach in the front office, they just didn't do a very good job of hiring coaches. I mean, they just didn't yeah. really do a good job of, of figuring out who was going to be an amazing head coach. And I really think they got it right this time. I really believe that they hit upon and that's because probably they got out of the way and they let Paul and Andrew hire Kevin Stefanski, who they wanted to hire last year, 
I actually think it's better that they didn't for, you know, just because of what Kevin was able to go back and do in Minnesota, but they got it right this time because they got out of the way. It's uh, and, and then Kevin turned around and hired a really great staff. Yes. A really great coaching staff underneath him as well. So there we go. Okay. That'll do it. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the orange and Brown talk podcast. All those questions came from football insider subscribers. If you want to get involved in that head to cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner up at the top of the page to get information and get signed. Up.